0: Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. We are pumped to bring you today's guest, Coach Mike Hohensee. He has been around youth, high school, college, and professional players for 46 years. He's currently the director of QBU, quarterback university, the Illinois chapter, and that alone would make him a legitimate and interesting guest. But before that, played professionally in the NFL, the USFL, the Canadian Football League, and the Arena Football League. He also coached in the Arena Football League for 21 years. He was the head coach of eight different AFL teams, hosting 170 career wins, including an Arena Bowl 20 championship with the Chicago Rush. Interesting story, the first time I met Coach Hohency was when I tried out for the Chicago Rush shortly out of college. Here's a piece of bio that I have never said before in a podcast intro. Coach Hohency is a member of the Roland High School Hall of Fame, the Mount San Antonio Junior College Hall of Fame, the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers Hall of Fame, and the Arena Football League Hall of Fame. This guy has achieved excellence everywhere he's been, and that set of outcomes, that process continues to this day. He he is sharing his knowledge and understanding with young football players everywhere. Grab some paper, grab a pen, take notes. There's a lot to learn in today's podcast with Mike Hohensee.
1: You know it's crazy you know i my you know my mother remarried and she married this guy and uh he got me into football i didn't even want to do it you know i was i was a good athlete did a lot of things but football wasn't one of them at the time so he forced me to do it and i really didn't like it at first you know they had me at left guard i didn't even know how to put my pants on you know i put the girl backwards it made sense to me that the tail pad was in front i'm (laughs) like yeah (laughs) so you know and, and it just got to the point where the next year, you know, I, I survived the first year, all right? So liked it or not, I survived it. Um, I, was, I was young. I was eight years old. Uh, the next year, uh, they tried me at running back, and I had a lot of success at running back. Uh, then they put me at receiver uh, the next year, and I did a lot of different positions just because I was an athletic kid. And, um, you know, finally, I was a real good baseball player, pitcher. So, you know, how it happened for me to play quarterback was my sophomore year in high school, I'm a receiver you know, at tryouts for varsity and um, I'm throwing the ball back to the quarterback there and he was throwing it to me. So the coach asked, he said, do you throw like that all the time? I said, I didn't even think about it. I said, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so from that point on, I became a quarterback and we had, you know, I had some good success in high school, you know, individually, we were horrible, you know, as a team, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have a, enough guys come out. Uh, and then as we moved on, later years of varsity, a lot of kids moved away from the area in Southern California. Um, so I didn't get a lot of notoriety coming out. I played in a high school all-star game uh, and got MVP uh, for the uh, Valley out in San Gabriel Valley. And uh, Mount Sac Junior College was out there uh, seeing the game and uh, their coach called me and asked me if I'd be interested and I really didn't have any offers, you know, coming out of high school. Right. And I said, sure, I'll come out there and you know, one thing leads to another and, you know, end up having a couple good years and uh, my last game of the season, um, University of Minnesota was there looking at our safety, mm. um, and I happened to have a real good game. And you know, later that week, the head coach is sitting in our office at Mount SAC and offered me a scholarship. You know, he wanted me to come visit the the school, and that was my first plane ride. You know, I was oh, nice. 18 years old, first time I've ever been on a plane, so went out to Minnesota. Uh, loved it. I had to beat the coach's son out, <clears throat> who started mm. the year before. Uh, but I saw him on film and, you know, I was a Southern Cal kid. I, you know, we think we're better than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Growing <don't> up. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, I said, you know, no big deal. I think I can come out. I can beat this kid out. And, you know, cause junior college ball in California is pretty high level anyway. Yeah, it is. Um, so I went out there and, um, surprised I was number seven on the depth chart when I got there. Hmm and slowly but surely after spring ball, I worked my way up to number two and went home that summer, uh, determined I was going to come back and beat this kid out, and had a good fall, and I heard uh, on a Monday um, as I was lifting in the weight room that I was going to start against Purdue. Oh, wow. Yeah, I heard it on the radio. Huh. Hear <laughs> from coach yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Announced on the radio that I was going to start, so the weight room went crazy, and uh, you know the rest is kind of history. I ended up having a blast in Minnesota. That's where I fell in love with the Midwest, mm-hmm. and I'm in their Hall of Fame. You know, I'm in a few Hall of Fames. I'm very fortunate. I've been around some great coaches and great players. Right. You know, you got to have a line. You got to have some receivers as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. and some and some mentors, and so I, I think I've been very fortunate as far as those things go. And you know, coaching was something that just kind of came easy for me because my dad was a coach, you know, my namesake dad who got me into football. And when I was in youth ball, you know, he, I would always see him staying up late at night, drawing up the plays and getting the game plans ready and all that kind of stuff. And I'd sit there and just watch him do it, ask questions. And that's kind of how that got going. So it was kind of an easy transition for me and something that I kind of always knew I wanted to do. Mm I was fortunate to have an opportunity in arena football after I was done Uh, Because of some injuries, um, to get an assistant's job in arena football back in uh, 1989, and um, there was only two coaches on uh, staff—an older gentleman, George Brancato, and myself—and we were the coaches of the Chicago Bruisers at that time. Wow! And um, he was the head coach and coached the line. I was the assistant coach and coached the offense, defense, and special team. Wow! Been more perfect for a young kid to learn the game. Mm put in front of all these kids, and a lot of these kids were older than I was. I was coaching, so it really put me in a good learning environment uh, where I had to either rise or fall. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate, you know, George Mercado was very patient and wasn't always looking over my shoulder. Let me learn and develop and kind of become my own type of coach and, and use my personality, and I didn't have to take on anybody else's. And it worked out. And that's kind of how I went about it as a head coach once I became a head coach. With my assistance, I tried not to look over their shoulders. I gave them some guidance. Yep. Just some of the, out, you know, an outline of how I wanted things done overall, but I wanted their twist on it. I wanted them to be... Uh, the rooster in the room you know when uh, when their time was up so can I, can I investigate there just a little bit
0: that's uh, such a compelling idea we we talk uh, regularly we have a, this concept called anchor and tether method meaning we, and, and we usually think of because um, I'm, I'm so intrigued by the idea of of how much space can you give a player or a developing coach on your staff or whatever it might be right. um, and, and we're really interested in all we, we try to help people along with this concept of in order to give room and space for one to themselves you do need sort of an anchor you need a template or a path um and and then you know you kind of let out the rope or pull it back in based on the experience or, or the level of production they're giving you how 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 specific are you uh with those anchor type
1: concepts when you say i'm you, extremely <laughs> specific yeah you know, day one when i have my staff i lay out the rules so i'm going to tell you how it's got to be and it's going to be your office you know and i'll help you if you need help You know, I won't be looking over your shoulder, but I'll be looking down the hall. Right. You know, so I'm not, I'm just, I don't shut my door. Okay. My door is open. I want to hear, I want to see, I have to see everything. You know, I'm in charge. It's my responsibility. And I kind of do that with my players as well. You know, I don't leave any, no guesswork. You know, it was day one. They understood exactly how it was going to be. Mm -hmm. If they were kept and they were going to be excited about it. If they were let go, hopefully they weren't surprised about it because, about all the things that you know we expected from our coaches and from our players and i talked about those things in front of both i talked about my coaches expectations with my players and i talked about my players expectations with my coaches in the room Mm sometimes i coach my coaches through the players right versa you know Mm -hmm. what i mean i'll jump somebody and i i really tried to because i recruited a certain type of kid you know uh you know the, the, the alpha male you know, that, that's who I wanted. So I didn't want to take that away from him. You know, I had a great, great player when I was with the Rush. And um, you know, we went out and got him, and everyone thought it was a surprise because he was kind of a problem kid for everybody else. And I told him, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm never going to uh, cut your nuts off while you're here. But if I say strawberry, okay, in our conversation as I'm walking by, that means you're taking it too far, okay? And I wanted you to understand that. You know, that's all I'm going to say. And I expect you to respond positively because you're here with two strikes. Mm-hmm. That's the way I see it. Okay. Cause I let my hair down, bringing you in here in the first place, thinking we had enough quality individuals that we can absorb one kid that from the outside looked like, mm-hmm. he had and he was good with it. And now you know we ended up winning a championship with the rush and this kid was probably a big part of why we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm great friends with him and his family. And it's just amazing how things work out. And I grew as a coach at that moment because all the way up until that point, there was no way I'm taking a kid. Okay. One of my assistants talked me into, okay. A kid that I trusted and had come with to me with a lot of good ideas before he said, Hey coach, You know, this is that one thing that we were talking about. You know, this is one of those guys. And he's the one that said, I said, coach, I I really believe we got enough good kids to absorb this. Hmm. I said, you know what? Brian, his name's Brian Swartz, was the assistant coach, tremendous coach. And I said, you know what? I'm going to let my hair down. We're going to do this. Okay. And we did. And don't regret a minute of it. And now it was hard work. Yo, absolutely. It was high maintenance. (laughs) Yeah. I believe it. I used, There was a lot of strawberry in my language. I, right, right. People probably didn't
0: understand it, but it worked. I, what a cool thing to, to I mean, the, the anchor, you talk talking about um, not only the anchor of, of, of what you deliver to your coaches, but the anchor of your program, the culture being so solid that you felt like maybe you could sort of roll the dice on on this guy. Uh, it takes a lot of work to get to that point. I don't want to derail us, but I'm reminded we have right. to put something out. Uh, what was it, two years ago when Gruden first went to the Raiders, and he was bringing in all these hard nosed guys and and Rich I don't mean to name names but Richie yeah. Incognito had, had had some trouble in the past and Vontez yeah. Perfect, obviously Antonio Brown and and our sort of take on it and that, look I, who am I This is you know <laughs> this is just sort of our opinion but but we thought that probably this program was too young yes. to onboard so many of those character question marks um, whereas it sounds like you guys had done a lot of work to get the program the culture right. So that you could you could maybe roll yeah. the dice on a big talent who had these question marks. I think yeah.
1: that's an And that was that was all the way from the guy we had washing our laundry, cleaning our locker room, uh, to the people I had to manage up. I had to manage oh, yeah. the above me, you know, and, and to let them know what my expectations were and what type of people I'm bringing into the building. So what they have to represent when they meet these people and they walk into our environment, you know, right. they're in their right. offices, but when they walk into our environment, this is how it's going to be. And they were unbelievable. Our, our general manager was Mike Poliski, Northwestern, okay? mm-hmm. assistant AD up there. And yeah. amazing, amazing, and a good friend. And I, I miss my time with him, to tell you the truth. He was, I, he was the GM with The Rush? Yes. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And then, you know, Arena Football folded and put uh-huh. their way, had, you know, after 09, and he ended up obviously landing well on his feet, uh, which right. doesn't surprised me because he was a huge part of our success and he did a great job himself managing up to the owners right right He used the finances that we needed to lure recruits in you know over the orlandos and the tampa bays and the mm-hmm. San- we we took some people and we drew some nice nice talent uh, that would come all the way up to chicago and maybe endure a winter uh, where they right. couldn't beach you know getting sand in their
0: toes okay so you, i everything you say is so interesting I'm, I'm taking notes down here just so you know but endure winter i gotta there are two things i don't want to let pass too quickly i'm coming back to endure winter that, that that i can't let that go um but first i wonder if i could poke even a little harder on uh some of the expectations like if someone's part of your organization your team what are some of the absolutes that they would have to know
1: what are, what are two or integrity. three things integrity. everything's integrity if you ain't got that in your foundation you know you're you're it's going to constantly crack you know if, yeah. if you're if you're married i don't want to meet your girlfriend i don't want to see your girlfriend i don't want to hear about your girlfriend you know i got my kids coming to this building i have my wife who i adore and love coming to this building and that's just the way it's gonna be mm-hmm. they know that you know these are yeah. these things that happened in that first meeting you know if you're fortunate enough to get into that meeting right there i think it's dynamic i think they're talked to in a way that sometimes maybe a lot of them never were mm-hmm. important this is to me and i know the sacrifices i had to make and the failures i had to endure to get this position and you know there's a lot of people counting on me including my family to do the right thing and to bring the right kind of people into an organization. And it's extremely important. And I make that promise to my owners and my general managers and the people that I manage up, you know, but I make that promise to them as well.
0: I love that. That's a, such a great, uh, the solid foundation concept. And, and I got to say this and we didn't, we didn't say it early on, but uh, I'll tell you that uh, I mentioned this to you when I saw you on the field that one day, but, but uh, I tried out for the Chicago rush. The, the year you guys were coming off the uh, arena bowl championship and the the highlight of the day, there were a couple of performance highlights that I felt pretty good about, but I don't, I, I, I had a good time <laughs> trying out if nothing else, but the highlight of the day for me, and, and I'll tell you that uh, maybe this was an indicator that I, that I was destined to be a coach, not a uh, an NFL player was, uh, was the breakdown that you gave you, you sort of addressed every there. I don't know what there was 70 people, maybe who knows trying out that day and you gave us a breakdown and and you, it sounded it, what you were, I couldn't tell you what you were talking about uh you know it was many years ago but i can tell you my wife
1: says every day
0: (laughs) well fair enough (laughs) but but i will tell you this is what i do have to express is that i can tell you how it made me feel and and everything that we've already started to talk about like about integrity and, and just the way that you carry yourself and the things you're talking i that came across loud and clear and that was uh you know not to i don't mean to Pat you on the back too hard, but I mean, every word I'm saying, it was just, it was so clear that, that, uh, that what you were saying was right and true and came from a real, uh, authentic place. And, um, and I think that was meaningful. And I, I, just, I, just I appreciate, appreciate that. that. I, I, mean, I appreciate that. How many that. years ago was that at this point?
1: Oh my goodness. It was 2000. We won in 06.
0: So that was 07. A lot of hair yeah. ago. That's right. But, but, it, but it's, but it has stayed with me and, and, and everything you're, you're saying today sort of echoes the sentiment that I, that I feel that I had coming out of that. So, so I, I love that idea. So integrity is the bedrock of, of your program. And then I guess, um, not to move away from integrity too fast, but I, but I want to investigate.
1: Well, I think one of the other things you now you have to have integrity, but you've got to be, you've got to be vested. You've got to be willing to listen. And that starts with me. You know, everybody's got to be a great listener and if if we all listen with intent and with purpose we're going to learn what is needed for us because we're going to learn what we're strong at we're going to learn what we're weak at and we're going to look learn what what where the commonalities are
0: mm-hmm. the group
1: and that's going to help us from the top all the way down do our jobs better okay not just do a job i'm not just the equipment guy our guys need this i'm not Head coach, the, you know I need this. This group right here, I can't yell at this group. You know, what I mean, this this group needs to be patted on the back a lot. Okay, mm-hmm. individual. How do I push his buttons? Because as a head coach, you got to do both. You've got to be able to address the group. You got to be able to address the individual. I I think it's I think it's amazing. Um, and I think that goes to, uh, I don't
0: know what the word is, but there certainly is consistency within the culture. And I love to hear you talk about even the,
1: um, have you read the uh, the book, the culture code? Is that a familiar? I have concept? not. I have not. You know, I've, I haven't read as many books as I probably should. Listen, I'll give you a book. Attention on in life. That's I pay attention. Right.
0: Would, would you be open to, I might say I'm either going to send you a book or, or, uh, Maybe I'll try to find a digital version because a lot of things you're talking about, we talk about the equipment manager in this book, the culture code. One of my, uh, one of the guys on my staff is reading right now and he's over the moon about it, loves it. Uh, they talk about like the most successful enterprises and organizations, sports, uh, business, etc. And there, one of the things they were talking about was a hospital and the equipment manager uh, thing made total sense to me. One of the most successful hospitals in man, I'm not sure how they measure that. I haven't read the book in a while. But but one of the most successful hospitals in terms of I'm sure patient satisfaction, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. They started to interview people to figure out why this was happening, and they would talk to like the night shift folks who were who were cleaning the rooms and sweeping the floors, and and, and asking them about this. and And it was clear that the leadership within the hospital had created a culture. Where the person cleaning the room didn't feel like they were just carrying around a bucket and a mop, that they were uh, an essential component to uh, the experience that was going to make this person ultimately healthy and well. That this wasn't some peripheral position, that this was essential to the culture that had this really important aim. Uh, so I love to hear you talk, whether it's an assistant coach, a general manager, a starting quarterback, or, or the equipment manager, every piece is important. You know, it's funny
1: you say that because I, I believe our equipment manager felt as important or more important than our starting quarterback. I gave him, I gave him some freedoms. I gave him some choices. I gave him an opportunity to make a wish list for what he needed to do his job because I told you, his name was Jeff Henderson. Hendo was his nickname, and he's unbelievable, the best in the league. And I said, you know what? The best equipment guys, Hendo, are the ones that I don't have to talk to, mm. the ones that the players never come complain about. They're always happy. Their uniforms, their, their practice stuff's always dry. They never get it back wet. All of those things. I want them to feel like NFL players when they walk into that locker room. Yeah. Okay. Until they go home, and I went. You're you're a big part of that because he those guys spend as much time with those guys as we do. Oh yeah. And that kid took it serious, and he did a tremendous job for us, a tremendous job. And he was well respected. And when we got our championship rings, you know, after the 06 season, uh, you know, he was just as proud as anybody out there, and he had a big smile. And it wasn't just you know an extra ring. I mean, he earned that thing. And, yeah. Uh, he may not have broke any bones or anything like that, but he broke his back trying to help yeah. us and do the right things. The guy, the that's guy has the gum before the game, man. That's an important dude. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. Wait, do you, where's he off to now? Do you know? He's still here in Chicago. I'm not sure exactly what he's doing. I know he's into fishing big time. I see a lot of social media with him and his son doing a lot of fishing tournaments and things like that. Just, he's a perfect guy. He's, a, he's I know, I knew he was going to be a great dad and I don't I see it being any better than him. He's fantastic. I love that. Reeling it in with a big
0: championship ring on
1: I like the idea. yeah perfect and that's uh and that's
0: so so that image championship ring reeling a, in a fish with his son that does kind of remind me of the midwest which you said you grew an appreciation for you also brought up this concept of enduring the winter can you tell us what brought a southern california guy to appreciate uh minnesota first but then you know the sort of the
1: midwest at large it was it was it was it, it was the people first you know I didn't fall in love with the winter yeah not a- You know, after Christmas, you know, and it was during just before spring. Everyone was gone for spring break. I'm in the dorms of Minnesota. Nobody's there. Okay, I don't know anything about this school. I'm stuck in these dorms and I dry. I'm walking around. It's freezing. I got this coat on that I bought just before I went out there because I never had a winter coat. And I'm walking around campus. I get right off campus and there's a restaurant called Slotsky's. I'm sure you've heard of Slotsky's before. The deli? Is it Slotsky's deli? Oh, my goodness. fell in love that place i had never heard of it but it's the only place i could find so you know it's it, the, the winter aspect of it um hit me hard you know i was homesick you know when i was at minnesota that first month it was like it really hit me hard and um i was fortunate that i had some strong friends that i met early uh that helped me get through it and um you know and the other thing that helped me get through it i was seventh on the depth chart you know i wasn't you know a nice smile wasn't going to get me to number two or number one right so I- work and the thing that i learned at a young age was i can't control anybody else so as much as i wanted everyone else to throw interceptions or do the wrong things i couldn't rely on that all i could rely on was, was me to do the right things and that's kind of how i've lived in my life but you know in a few months i went from number seven on a depth chart at a d1 school in the big 10 to beating out the head coach's son would hmm. salem who ended up going on to be an offensive coordinator for Ohio State Buckeyes, you know. Now I think he's, uh, boy, I think he's tight ends coach with, uh, with the with University of Pittsburgh. Um, mm-hmm. So that that whole environment right there to to do that uh, was huge. Was huge. It was huge. You know, and you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm proud of, of what I did at Minnesota and and how I handled things and um, dealt with Timmy and dealt with the dad. You know, because uh, being a dad of a, of a of a kid who plays football right now, I understand how that dinner table had to be when he. Had that choice you know with mom there you know right. at that same <laughs> and looking at her son looking at her husband and you know it don't look real good right now right. so i know how tough that dynamic could have been and i've had some great talks within the last year with coach sale joe sale was our head coach uh, about that he's just he's a, he's an amazing man and you know he had a lot of integrity it took a, it took a lot for that guy to do what he did especially since his son started before and um you know i'll, I'll never forget and i'm so appreciative of the you know, opportunities I got there. And, you know, it's funny that we talk about the people on the side. My favorite guy there was the strength coach. Yeah. And, but yeah. And, he, you know, he, he did a you know, tremendous job. I ended up be, be making the All-American strength team because of him. Did, did you really? And, and You know, I, I kind of fell in love with weights before I got there. Uh, so I think he knew that. You know when i once once i got there that i wasn't just another high school kid that frail high school kid coming in there that he had to put 50 pounds on you know i already had a little something with me when i got there because of juco ball and um that made my experience very good too you know i fell in love with the weight room even more i was as confident as anybody when i stepped on that field physically and mentally and you know you, you've got to do that especially nowadays i mean I, I think about the poor kids in illinois all they're doing is lifting and training so when That's these kids Get back on the field. Some of these juniors, they're going to be built like seniors. Some of these seniors, they're going to be built like a college kid already.
0: College freshman. That's right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Going into these seasons, and look out, look out. I mean, and and the thing I worry about the most are some of these kids that never played middle school ball. They're coming straight from youth ball. Would have been playing as a high school freshman. That might not get to play till they're sophomore. Right. So from youth football contact where the weights are controlled, to sophomore year in high school. Right. You know what I mean? They ain't controlled. I mean, that, that's the scary part for me for these
0: kids. No, no doubt. And, and I'll give a little, um, uh, because I think this, this is sort of evergreen content and I hope people listen to this podcast many years down the road. Um, we're talking about this really unique situation where, uh, where fall sports have been canceled, but not, or postponed rather. But in I, I wonder if you would agree with this, but in sort of a, uh, I would say a disruptive way, meaning, you know, it's hard from someone who's, who's very much into the strength and conditioning realm. It's become hard to program for it because, you know, you think maybe we got a shot at fall football and then no, now we got a plan for a February 15. And you know, what is, what does that look like? What is, uh, how do you uh, acclimate for this cold that kids have never played in before? There's all sorts of interesting variables here, but you bring up a really good one. I think people are going to see, A difference between those teams and schools that train, you know, that have training conditioning programs and those that don't. And I really hope that uh, that this time opens opens the eyes of administrators and coaches everywhere uh, to recognize just how essential that is. And and you said some things that, that we really do sort of hold dear to. To us, when you mentioned, I, I mean, I get the chills thinking about what you said about being able to go step on a field with confidence every time. Because sure, there's a three-month football season that you're preparing for, you're thinking about, you're you know, you 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 love, I would assume. But there's nine months to come before that to get you ready for the three months where you're where you're playing, and the the, the degree of empowerment and camaraderie that you can build with teammates and all the sort of extra good that can come from a strength and conditioning program that's um that's meaningful to me and you're you're preaching to the choir man what's that you're preaching to the choir. choir I got to throw this out to you. I think, I think we, uh, I think we share a lot of similar values. I'm not bragging you're a much better athlete than I am, but uh, I I was on that NSCA All-American team as well. That was was my thing. I I mean, the weight room was my home Yeah, and it still is in a lot of ways.
1: So I appreciate it. You know, that's for me, it not only gave me confidence, it gave my teammates confidence. My linemen loved me, okay? I mean, I when, that. when they went out, I remember one year when they went out, it was, uh, linemen all rented limos with the line coach, and they invited me. That's amazing. I mean, that's when you know. You, yeah. know, they, you know, they had a, a respect that I respected the weight room, and I respected the linemen. My best friend have always been linemen, okay? Yeah. They're just the guys who get it. You know, they, you've got to be a football player to survive on the line, man. Mm-hmm. You know? You got, you got you know, your finesse guys, you got your tough guys, you got your strikers, you know, your, your linemen are tough. There ain't no finesse to play. line. Right. you know, you you've got to be a tough individual, man. Understanding that you are playing engaged every single play. Yeah. Cause you take a, you take a, you take a play off, you all of a sudden become a kid who is not a spotlight player to the spotlight. Right. The wrong kind of, right. Immediately. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I love
0: that idea. I think, I don't have um, children of my own at the moment, but if I had a son who played football, I would almost demand that at some point, whether he liked it or not, he play on the line. I'll try not to name names uh, of of current athletes who you and I both um, associate with, but there's a big receiver out there who I think I saw catching balls uh, the other day who... I I don't I don't know if you've seen him run live yet, but he is good and he battles for the ball in the air and he is he's tough. He's got great hands. Uh, Last year, he was the starting right tackle on the JV team. And I think (laughs) I don't know if you knew that about it, but but I think I think that will really bode well for him uh, as he progresses as a uh, more. I think I
1: think he could play D one ball. I think so too. Thanks. So, you know, too. I think he's a, he's a bright kid. His mannerisms, his demeanor, how he carries himself. And, you know, we're, we're not out and it's light sometimes. Sometimes we get in there and it ain't even light yet. You know, we do our little warm ups there in the dark and he don't complain about it. You know, he's a, he, he don't come out there and try to big time you like, who are you? You, you old man type of thing. <laughs> he listens. Yeah. And, um, I think, you know, I think he's enjoying the time out there as much as the guy I'm out there for. Right. So it's, it's, it's been really good coming out there to win that gun and sharing time with those young kids and working their tails off. There's some good kids out there for sure. Uh, lucky to do it. And I always <laughs> like
0: seeing you guys out there. There is something about that. I tell we have guys who, um, you know, if they're Division One, you know, scholarship type guy or not. Uh, when we advise students going on to the next level. <clears throat> The thing that I usually say to them is, uh, I ask them, "Is this the sort of thing you like? Like, forget about the spotlight, forget about a TV or a contract down the road. Do you like putting on a, a, a hooded sweatshirt that says your school football and walking through the cold in the dark to go train or run or throw? If 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 you're into that, and so then then you got a chance at going to
1: play at the next level. Uh, no, no doubt, and it, it's almost a must. Yeah." These days to do extra. Yep. You know, you, you can't always rely on, unless you've got a specialty type of coach like yourself at a school, for that to be right. enough for the, for the hired staff at that school, coaches and weight room guide to be enough to suffice you to get to D1, unless you're just a freak of nature. You know, right. Right. So, school anyway. Of course. Well, I, that, could that
0: be, I, I'd love to hear more. That feels like a good transition because there is, you know, uh, I, we of course are in support. We, we do a lot of work with schools. We support staffs. We run uh, professional workshops, professional development <laughs> workshops uh, and team workshops, but there's also, there's all sorts of independent support out there. Like, QBU. So can you tell us uh, how your coaching career has sort of evolved to this really finely tuned, more
1: individualized approach? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I've kind of been doing quarterbacks and receivers on the side forever. Yeah, you know, I'd have I'd have my season then the offseason. You know, people were always saying, hey, could you work with my kid, this and that? I said, yeah. So I've been doing this for uh, years and I've just never got involved in the battle with the quarterback coaching companies that are out there in the drama and everything that goes with it. I kind of <laughs> kept my kids off to the side. I wasn't trying to go get nobody's kids anything like that. And I was coaching teams, so that was my deal. And I'd come home, and then I'd, you know, on the weekends, I, I'd i coach these kids. And just last three years, I've been working at a restoration company, selling restoration, but still doing this on the side on the side. Sure. On the and I had built that up to between 50 and 60 families on the weekends. I'm dealing with their kids. Wow. And just a few months ago, you know, my wife's a hospice nurse and, you know, she's doing her charting at home and, you know, she said, you know, I'm taking care of a, a, a woman who's 59 and uh, this guy's 61, you know, I'm, I'm 60. So all these people are my age. And I, you know, I start thinking about, it, so you know what, coaching is what I love to do. And I love the guy who hired me as a, as a sales guy for this company. Um, and not many people would have hired a 59 year old guy just for sales for his first job doing it ever. Uh, but he did you know, so I worked hard for him, but, you know, I missed the coaching. And so, you know, quarterback university came and they started recruiting me because we kind of had a common kid in mind. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to let my hair down again. And, you know, I'm not going to make a million dollars doing this. We ain't trying to put a wing on the house. Uh, we're going to pay the bills and I'm going to be happy doing what I'm doing. Mm. She's going to allow me to help my wife, who's a hospice nurse, uh, be a good guy when she comes home and have the right attitude, be her orange juice in the morning and and be her glass of wine and candlelight when she gets home, you know, because your life is tough. Those hospice nurses now, I don't know if you know much about it, brother. A little bit she's a rock star and you know, she does amazing things with what she does. And uh, she can run any company in Chicago. I promise you, you know, if, if, there, if there's a superstar in our family, it's that woman, my wife, Deb, she's, she's crazy good at what she does. So, you know, I'm, I'm with quarterback university now I'm coaching kids that are probably, you know, I got a third grader who's amazing. And I, kids that are in college that are amazing. So, you know, I run the gamut and I don't just do quarterbacks. I do receivers too. Mm-hmm. I do 40 receivers and about 23 quarterbacks. Holy cow the week and, and, and is, a blast. That, is that uh
0: that's individual and small group or how do you how do you meet yes. with that many kids yeah
1: yeah yeah both and you know I I, I could teach them to catch it and spin it but you know I think one of the reasons a lot of the parents are paying me money to coach their kid is to talk to their kid you know that at the end like you talk about you know I, I talk to these kids especially the quarterbacks about how they're being looked at and judged from the time they leave their home till the time they walk back in it by the school bus driver by the lady feeding him lunch, by that teacher, uh, by the crosswalk guy, whoever it is, why is this guy our quarterback? Is Mm -hmm. he deserving? What's so special about this kid? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that judgment don't stop when they walk in their own door. Sometimes they're being judged in their own house. Some of those houses with with parents are tough and you you can never get away from it. So I'm hopefully, I'm kind of that relief for them. You know, I want these kids to be uh, extreme competitors and I want them to be having the most fun, you know, more fun of anybody on the field. And with that comes a lot of hard work but at the same time you know they need people that they can trust in their lives and, and i'm hoping i'm that guy for these kids because i'm not going to judge them on wins and losses i'm going to judge them on how they treat each other how they grow you know, you know are they willing to be engaged and ask questions mm-hmm. and listen to what i have to say and the only time i really jump my groups is when i don't think they're paying attention or if they're disrespecting each other you know i had a little group the other day of little young teenagers probably about 13 and there was some cussing going on the line. I stopped the whole, I stopped the whole thing. I said, "How many guys, some of you guys have been with me four years. How many times have you heard me cuss? None coach. I said, that's right. Cause I respect you guys. I said, you guys respect me. Da, da, da. Ain't heard Ain't heard a word since. Yeah. Yeah. These kids, these kids are great kids. Okay. But they're teenagers and they're hearing it everywhere. They might be heard in their own, own home as well, but uh, there's yeah. an environment where these kids are learning the right way to deal with each other, Mm -hmm. deal with success, to deal with failure, to deal with Black Lives Matter, to deal with COVID, to deal with uh, two presidents that are extremely different. They've got to have somewhere where they can go and be okay to open their mouth and give their opinion. Because I actually asked them that with with, with going on with COVID and Black Lives Matter, I said in one word, tell me what you feel right now when you Mm -hmm. watch after watching the news it says fear, confused, um, you know, and a lot of different words coming out of their mouth, you know, mad, angry. And I said, you know what? And I pointed over to their parents in the stands that are watching. I said, I can ask them the same questions. And the same words are going to come out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay. I said, so don't ever take anything personal that they say to you directly or that you hear them say indirectly, because obviously the walls are thin and everybody's home. I said, if you ever got a question about me, your parents all got my number and I'm going to listen to you. Okay, and I'm going to give you my opinion, but it's only my opinion about things. Uh, we, there's a lot of great opinions out there, but the only way that we're going to get through that is if we listen, learn, and then guys like me we teach, and then we can change there. But we got to have all four: listen, to. change. If we if we if we mess up the order and think we can dominate it with uh, just the teach part, they're, they're not going to listen, you know. But once you seem willing to listen, either as the educator or the one being educated. That's when everything starts to flourish, in my opinion.
0: I'm so glad that you said that. We have one of the initiatives that we've started over the past few years something called Team Embrace. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all about embracing the conversation of mental health in athletics. That's where it started. Yeah. But it's sort of grown to um, a, set, a concept which involves embracing all sorts of difficult conversations within athletics. Black Lives Matter is a mental health topic for a lot of the kids that we work with, without question. Um, You know, so so like you said, to to create a space within athletics where you hear the metaphor of family and where where you're devoted to a common outcome and cause. The idea that that it, it seems so obvious that that would be a space where these complicated topics could be talked about. I think I, I think you have to create the space, embrace the difficult conversations, uh, the culture, the trust that you're talking about. And then and then li- the listening part, like, you know, everything that you've said uh, fits very well into that. And I wonder I'm just trying to think, man, because I I I, I have a feeling and this stems from I don't want to be too abstract about it. But this stems from some conversations I was just having yesterday about how uncertain and potentially fearful these next few months could look as everything that you've mentioned, COVID, you know, the Cases seem to be slightly on the rise, and we're yep. moving inside, and we're about to have to endure a winter, and we're going to have an election, which will potentially polarize the country, regardless of which direction it goes. And absolutely, and and, and I think probably my hope is that that young people are finding sort of a safe haven to talk through these complicated ideas
1: with folks like you, not on Twitter, but when yeah. they're with you and with other thoughtful coaches? Well, you know, it, it, it's going to be this generation because I t- I also tell my groups, I said, the, you know, this is more your world than mine right now. You know, my generation messed it up. We didn't fix it. We didn't do enough to fix it. Okay. But right now I'm going to, I'm going to let you know that. Okay. I'm ashamed of that. Mm. What do I need to do better? Because I haven't always been a good leader and I haven't been always a good father because I wasn't always a good listener. Mm. Not- learned art down the road. I think as you mature. And now I think I'm a great father. I think I'm a great leader because I'm going to listen first, find out what the problem actually is. Okay. Or maybe there is no problem. Maybe you find that by listening too. How about that for a change, you know? And I think if we can all kind of exercise that kind of patience and, and then put that, you know, put listening in the forefront that we want to need to find out something that we're really investigating something. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what we think it is, all, we had a chance. Okay. Yeah going to be the generation that we're both dealing with now that we're teaching you know those are the kids that we've got to empower really empower with the right tools, okay, to get this done. You're, you're so right. And there's an Einstein quote out there that goes
0: something along the lines of, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes trying to identify exactly what it is and five minutes, you know, working on the yeah. solution. I think that aligns exactly. You know, I think too often I think too often, we just jump uh, and throw our ideas out there. I think there's an immediacy of, uh, you know, uh, a polarized immediacy uh, to quote unquote problem solving, which is really not problem solving. It's more like grandstanding. Um And, and, uh and, but the way that, with the things that you're talking about, that's, that's the only way to listen, to try to connect dots to, I, I love, I love the thought that maybe if we listen hard enough and can sort of sift through some of the, cloud and smoke of the, of, of the concern and, and heavy emotion, we might get to the point where maybe the problem wasn't as big as it initially felt like it was. And all we have to do is uh, take
1: a few thoughtful steps to alleviate it. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you could, uh, you know, put a, uh, a blanket statement on, maybe it wasn't as big because all of these issues are huge to somebody. 100%. Do it at a yeah. different extreme than you and I are, right. this, you know? And I think that's, that's an awareness too. Mm-hmm. Something you got, you got to think beyond the room you're sitting in right. and, and, and understand that. And not just, you know, look beyond it, but like I said, you got to listen, man. Yeah. You, know, you got to pay attention. Just like when you're driving. You can't be random, your eyes and your thoughts when you're driving. Right. Next, next thing you know, you're hitting somebody, you know, you're out of, you know, you swerve back in there, you lose control. That's life. Yeah. It's the same exact thing. Focused attention, without question. Huge skill.
0: <laughs> um, I have to, I had to say this too, because you you mentioned being a leader and a father. Was your son, your namesake, was he on the, uh, he was on the St. Charles North team. Was he on the team that went to the state
1: championship? No, he was a couple years before that. Was he? Yeah. Uh, so he's like, really, Go ahead. Yeah. T- tell us about yeah, that. They, they, they made it to the playoffs uh, that year, but he had got hurt. So he became one dimensional where he was a kid who could run it and throw it. Yeah. He ended up, you know, he, he couldn't run anymore. So he had to just stay in the pocket. And I think that really hurt them. I sure. uh, thought at that year, I thought they had a chance because they beat Batavia that year, the only team to beat Batavia. Oh, Batavia really? Winning it that year. Wow. So it was, you know. It was one of those things, but you know he's uh, he's kind of becoming his own man. He just turned 21. Um, he's reinvented himself. I mean, he fell in love with the weight room because mm-hmm. as a junior he only played 14 snaps. He was a starting punter, only played 14 snaps at quarterback because they already had a great quarterback that was there the year before. And it, um, but he reinvented himself. You know, he he went into the weight room. He's killing. It. He looks like an outside linebacker now. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. When I see pictures,
0: because you you'll post about, it, he he looks like an outside linebacker. He's a big, long, strong-looking kid. Yeah,
1: Oh, crazy. But he worked with Don Beebe for a couple <laughs> of years while I was out of state, but, and worked on not only his speed but his explosion. He went from a kid that would brag to me about touching the net, you know, when he when he jumped up, to a kid who throws it up now catches it on the bounce and reverse jams it. I mean, oh, wow. incredible, the transformation, this kid. This kid probably, you know, God willing, has a chance to play at the next level. And I don't even know if it's just going to be at quarterback, you know, because a lot of people are comparing him to that number seven with the Saints, the Tyson, Tyson Hill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause you, you see how he's built, same type yeah. of kid. are starting punter, you know, in college. Yeah. He's ready to compete to possibly take somebody's job at quarterback. So he's got a lot of things going on for him. But I knew I did the right things with him when I heard an interview last year from him. We were here, uh, you know, obviously in Chicago, my wife and I listening on the radio uh, to an interview he had in Missouri, where he is in Northwest Missouri State. And the guy interviewed said, do you feel the pressure of having a dad who played professional football and coached professional football. And he said, no, not really. Because, you know, every year since I started playing before we went to go sign up, he always asked me, are you sure you want to play? Hmm. brought that up? And I forgot that he even, you know, I didn't even think he remembered that because yeah. I to make sure he wasn't doing it for me. Cause obviously you, you walk in, you know, I'm always wearing something with my you know, a name on my shirt, something. Right. And uh, he's always been around. He grew up in the locker room, all those things. And he said, you know, I just, I love the game. He said, he never forced me to do anything. You know, I could have backed out and just played baseball, could have just played basketball. He wouldn't have cared. He wanted me to have fun and to be happy. And, you know, right when I heard that on the radio, I looked at my wife, I'm tearing up. I'm thinking, you know, he paid attention. He heard me. So I think it's paying off now because, you know, he had, he went through red shirt, you know, after being all state, <laughs> he goes right. direct. you know, right away. And a lot of people think he's as good, if not better, than the kid that's there right now. You know, that's yet to be seen. Um, you know, so and he's fighting through it, you yeah. know, and you and I get to a chance to watch his practices because I have his huddle and I give him little pointers on different things. And when you watch it, he's the spark out there. Hmm. I mean the big play. You you see number nine running on the field if he's not in, yeah. or if he's quarterback running down the field, you know, congratulating somebody, you know. So he he's taken the things that we talked about. And now he's implementing it where he is. And he's going to be a great leader in his own right. That's amazing. That's it, is, so cool. it is pretty cool. It is, is pretty and,
0: cool. And, and was that pretty organic for you all along, having these thoughtful conversations? It sounds like you didn't really fall into the sort of stereotypical trap of football coach, tough, tough ride home with your son after practice. No, wait, we, we had some tough ride homes. Okay.
1: Oh, I was the first one to jump him, but I'm also, I was the first one to hug him. Sure. Oh, and to praise him. You know, yeah. I, and I think I did the same thing with all the guys I coached. Yeah. That's just who I was. I said, you, you had to understand what you did. Wasn't right. Mm. But this is how you fix it because I've seen you do it right before. I've seen that. You know, I've seen the amazing in you. Okay. Yeah. So don't make me beg for the amazing. Mm. You've shown it to me already. Don't make me beg for it again. Bring it out for yourself. Okay. And you and I are going to have nothing but great conversations. Mm. But if you're not vested in it, like I'm vested I don't understand that. Okay. (laughs) I am comprehending that when you're in something, why you're not gonna do it to your best ability.
0: I, I love that idea. And, and so we we had this thing way back. We called it the kind coaches initiative. And we were tr- really trying to what we were trying to drum up was this idea. We, you just nailed it. Uh, the balance between toughness and kindness and how those things, they're like reciprocal. They feed off each other. Like, right. you know, you can only, you know, it's, it's one of those classic, you know, uh, you, a kid doesn't care what you know until you know that they care. Some of these cliches that sound cliche are <laughs> are so for a reason. And, and, and I wonder if you'd agree with that. You, uh, there's nothing wrong in, with being tough and being exacting and holding people accountable and having yeah. high expectations, but it, but it would have to be balanced with this, this idea that they know that you're in it for them and they know you care. I think the age of
1: the player matters too. No doubt. Yeah, I really do. I've seen too many. Uh, I, there's some great youth coaches out there, but I've seen some real, real bad ones. Sure. And Bothered me, you know, and that's why I volunteered and I was never a head coach of any of his teams. I was always the guy that I coached my tail off all week, giving him the drills and talking about this and that. And then during the game, I had the water bottles and I'm giving them water as they come off. Great job done. that never play in youthful, yeah. you know, let the coaches have fun. You know, help them in their growth as well, so they can enjoy it. And they felt empowered with something as well, because, you know, not only were they empowered with knowledge, now all of a sudden their life experiences come out a little easier when they're speaking to the kids. Right. But, you know, you just got an unbelievable environment when at the end of practice, all the parents are huddled up, all the players are huddled up. And it doesn't matter what coach is standing up talking, everybody's listening intently. Okay. And with our groups, we won a lot of championships with those. And I really believe it's because we really did have that family atmosphere. Again, I that, that I, started from day one.
0: Yeah. I think it has to. I think we started sort of the podcast on this idea. I think expectations so much harder to uh, expand on early expectations than let things sort of take a natural course and try to correct, right, <laughs> to, to set a foundation and build. Oh. And I want everyone to hear what you just said. Everyone who's listening uh, the guy who who played professional football, played for the Chicago Bears, member of multiple halls of fame, uh, sort of sort of, you know, not not forcing himself into the conversation, but but spraying water into the kids mouths and, and support. What what, a, what what an important idea that is.
1: I, I, Honestly, God, they, they come to the sidelines squirting water in their mouth. Great job. How are you feeling? This and that, that uh, never one play that I call. Uh, and then at halftime, the coaches are making their adjustments. I sliced apples for all the kids. So I got apple slices, you know, yeah. they're trying to listen to coach. I'm just cramming apples in it because apple slices are one of the best things you can give a kid. Yeah. At halftime, and patting them on the back and making sure that they're having fun because there's so much to be scared of yeah. football. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't know. There's a ton of things to be scared of. And all of a sudden people you respect are up there with a smile. They're making eye contact with you. Now it's going to be okay. Maybe I can go out there and go full speed. Right. You know what I mean? And, and have fun with it. All of a sudden, I, I challenge myself. All of a sudden, hey, I'm pretty good. Yeah. You know, go full speed. It's okay. <laughs> right. And, but, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you, you get kids out there that are hesitant because they're not sure what our reaction is going to be. Then we're doing them an injustice, man. Really, really good
0: point, coach. Really? I, I, you know, and that way you you talked earlier about like thinking about a sort of coaching toolkit, when to press, when to pull, when to support, when all these things. And man, knowing the audience is so essential. I think about, I go back to my own football experience. You don't want to set up too many, you you want to guide, but you don't want to set up too many speed bumps for the youth athlete. Hesitant young athlete is not one that's probably enjoying him or herself or you know developing an appreciation for the game none of that yeah if I got a hesitant
1: football player he's going to be a lacrosse player pretty soon that's, that's right <laughs> that's exactly that's a good
0: way to put it they will you know, find another I mean, way I'm trying to help
1: these kids love what I loved you know yeah. what I mean maybe deliver it to them a, a different way than I got it delivered to me I had to yeah. kind of figure it out you know growing up because obviously it was, everything was different growing up, you know, and, and, when we did, but, um, you know, giving these guys the tools and to have fun and for them to see an old guy out there that can't walk as well as everybody else out there. And, and I'm laughing and smiling and clapping my hands, cheering a guy on that dove for a ball and holds it up at the end because we drilled it just like that yeah. the official that's there at eight in the morning that probably hadn't got the crust out of his eyes yet. He's not really, he's not engaged the game, but you gave it to him just like this. He's going to go, okay, I'm going to give it to him. You yeah. know because that and that's how you create greatness. You put that awareness, and then all of a sudden, they feel like they got that edge, and yeah. that's coaches. We got to supply all the edges, man, in my opinion.
0: I, I'm with you. And would you say, so you mentioned some of the bedrocks of your culture, integrity, you got to be fully vested, listen with intent and purpose. And, and am I hearing that one of the outcomes you're hoping for is empowerment? Is that really one of the
1: things that you're hoping for for these young people? One of, one of the, my favorite things to say is, you know what? See that? You're coaching yourself already. Mm. Okay. I don't even have to tell you. You know, the, you know, a kid will make a great, a great throw or a great catch in our sessions. I'll say, you know what? Go home. Go get in your car. I can't teach you no more today. Right. You know, and that makes them feel great because they've mastered something. Because when I get most of these kids, they can't do it. And I tell a lot of them, I said, right now, you're at the tail wiping stages of your career. Right. And I'm going to help you learn how to wipe. And then we'll go from there. As long as you understand that. And I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to help you. Okay. Mm-hmm. To clean up the mess because it's a little bit of a mess right now and I'm going to teach you the right way to do it and then if you expand on it down the road and you got an idea bring it to me yeah and let's talk about it and all of a sudden it's a, it's a two-way conversation and how many of these kids truly have a two-way conversation with anybody else in their life right right you, you hope at least mom and dad well, you can't assume that. No, you can't. And, and I'll tell you, the um, I'll go pretty,
0: at least mildly personal with this, but just having such, I, I feel so fortunate to have uh, a lot of insight into schools and the operations and, and athletic departments and education in general, uh, The you just... Brought up a really good point because we're scaling everything always. And when you scale, you lose the nuance of all the things that you're talking about. So a reciprocal conversation at scale is nearly impossible. If you have a, especially now, you got a classroom of 30 people over Zoom, that, that kind of discussion is not likely to happen. Yeah. So, I I it's really encouraging to hear you say that. Um really encouraging. Okay. Sorry. So, here's what I uh, the other thing I'm recognizing. I'm recognizing I, that I can talk to you all day, uh but that uh <laughs> that I, I don't know if I I don't know I don't know how long our listeners are going to want to hear my voice. So, so uh I, what I would ask then is if people want to learn more about you and everything you're doing and I highly recommend it, where where do they find you? How can they find you? What's the best route to
1: coach up? Well, you know, I'm I'm working obviously for a company called Quarterback University uh, with a young man, Donovan Dooley, who started the company. He's a Michigan guy, and he's been labeled kind of the quarterback guru in that state. He's got a few coaches out there with him. got a lot of quarterbacks that have went on to college and had success. And I really like this young man. He's at 36 years old, uh, got a a great mind, uh, a lot of energy. Um, He's got a vision. You know, he wants to be the best quarterback company in the nation. Okay. Mm. And to me, I, I told him, I said, Coach, if you want to be the best in the nation, that, you're, you're telling me you want to be the best. In the, because if you're the best in the United States, you're the best in the world. That's it, right. In my opinion. Um, so, you know, it's, it's quarterback university. They can find me uh, on Twitter at Coach Ho, uh, on Facebook, uh, under, probably under Mike Um uh, But, you know, I'm just kind of doing my thing. You know, it's, you know, my, my vision for me right now probably isn't as big as the vision for Donovan Dooley and quarterback. Right university I'm 60 years old so I don't have another 30 years of coaching with, but I'm what I think I'm here for him I'm gonna help guide him and build this build this company and do it the right way mm-hmm. If it doesn't go the right way then you know I'll, I'll still wave the flag for quarterback university a little bit but I'll go my own way sure <laughs> you know what sure, I mean I, sure. I don't have to jump on anybody's bandwagon because and I told him this I said I think I make I help you have a little more relevance than you help me. you know just because I have a lifetime of it not just because right. I'm special but you know i've been fortunate enough to be around a lot of people and survive it right I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you do this the right way and i said if you got questions give them to me you know and i'm gonna give you my answers and if i don't have the answer i'll help you yeah. and he's willing to do that and uh you know I've, he's helped me meet a lot of tremendous people and you know one of the reasons i'm in winneca coaching the young man that we both know is because of him yeah so, so you know he's doing a lot of good things for me and i'm excited about it uh I love what I'm doing. And, you know, my, my cell is 773-383-4784. And if you have a son uh, that's a quarterback or a receiver that needs some extra help, you know, give me a text, give me a call, whatever, uh, leave a message and I'll get back to you. But you know, I'm I'm not looking to get a million kids. Right. Um, right. I, I, I want to go out there with families that are serious about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, serious about it. You know, I don't go through the motions at all. I'm demanding, even if it's just a session, Coach, I'm demanding of my kids like it's my team. Yep. And um, they're going to do things the right way and act the right way. And we're going to do things together as a group and represent quarterback university uh, like no other quarterback company has ever been represented. I love that. People got to check it
0: out. And I, it's exciting to hear. It's exciting to see. And I literally have seen it firsthand. So uh, I, I, I do hope people uh, reach out and find you. Um, thank you so much for being with us, Coach. I appreciate you know, it and, and you're welcome. Anytime, it, Jim. Anytime. I mean, I, you, like I said, I could have
1: sat, sat here and talked all day too. <laughs> I could too. Do you need business
0: cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them is up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You restaurant group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you this sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high-quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E, print, P-R-I-N-T.com. And on Instagram, same thing, at Mighty Print, M-I-T-E, print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.